Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Tell you what, join with me as we pray for the message this morning. Amen. Lord, what a wonderful time of worship this morning, God, and thank you, Lord, for being here Lord, speaking to us, God, and preparing our hearts. Lord, the, the fellowship, God, that we sense, Lord, as a, as a body. Lord, you are the head of this body. Lord, this is your church. You died for it. And you have such tremendous blessing. God, we're learning about that, that, Lord, the heavenly places are just full. And, Lord, we just ask you to open up, God, the floodgates of heaven this morning and pour out upon us all that we need, Lord, to live this life. Lord, unlock the Word of God to greater levels of revelation, personal revelation today, God. Lord, we want to be led forth. Lord, that song, Rise, God, it just undoes me because, Lord, it is the call, it is the prophetic call of every believer. Lord, let us get there today, both in our heart, our mind, Lord, in our bodies. Thank you. Anoint this message today, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Part of the reason why we're doing this Freedom Series is to help remove obstacles. Because when you think of something that is uh, prepared to be set in motion, you know, you can have a rock up on a, on a hill or a small knoll and you, you push it and you want to just see it roll and go as far as it can go and how disappointing it is when it gets about halfway down and clunk, clunk, falls in a hole or runs into a bush and it can't do what you wanted it to do. Well, in our walk with God, it's very much that way, that God has, God has given us the inertia. God has given us the power to go and, and, and do mighty things in his name. But there are occasionally these obstacles that come, these sinkholes, these things that get in our way. And the, but the beauty is God gives us the way to remove those things. God gives us wisdom and truth from his word that as we apply it, we will experience the kind of freedom so that we can roll on, baby. We can roll on. So we're talking about, in this Freedom Series, our first topic is, we're talking about idolatry. And idolatry, you know, that's a, that's a strong word, very, very strong Old Testament word. And, and so when to try to think in terms of, gosh, how does that apply to modern days? I mean, you can get all prophetic and you can get all... Uh, um, Old Testament-like, and, and sure, you can go out there and, and, and find those golden calves, quote-unquote. But what we really want to do is, is, you know, is idolatry a sin, a struggle that Christians can have today? Or is this just for lost people or people that are what I call uh, pre-Christ, right? Pre-redeemed. Pre, uh, um, but what we're finding is, yes, it can be that stumbling block. It can be one of those obstacles that comes into our life. And so how do we identify it? So what we're doing is we're looking through, we're defining it. You know, Jesus said, uh, you know, that his father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so having both is, is that two-sided coin that will keep us on track. Paul encouraged Timothy to watch his life and his doctrine closely to what he believed and how he walked in it. And so to really evaluate our life as Christians, we, we can't just live on one side of the coin. We can't just 
always distinct, well, I have good thoughts. I, 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 I know what I believe, but if, if you're not walking it out, then we're not doing what God really ultimately wants us to do, that have a life that matches that. And so we're talking about how to remove that. Uh, God spoke to Moses when he got the, uh, the Ten Commandments and the first commandment with a promise, but really the first two. He said, have no other gods before me, no graven image. And we, what we find out from the Scripture in Exodus chapter 20 is that God is a jealous God. And God says, listen, if I'm to be God, the essence of what God is is that he's the only one. And he was communicating that into a culture of that time of mono, um, not monotheism, but polytheism, that people believed in many different gods. And the more gods, the better. And we see that even today. And so God said, no, 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 I'm the only one. And, of course, you know, what a rain on their parade to say, listen, you've been worshiping rocks and stones and, and the skies and animals, and I'm not there. He said, I am who I am. And he says, there'll be no graven image. There'll be nothing that represents who I am. Now, one day, he sends his son. That time comes, and he says, now, he is the embodiment of who I am. So now we do have a focus point. He's not graven. He's not man-made, but he is sent by God. And so when we see this whole idea, you know, God, in wanting our central focus to worship him with all of our heart and only him was not lost in the Old Testament. It continues. And in, in other words, that we're to worship Jesus with all of our heart, our soul, mind, and strength. Worship him and him only. So what we're trying to do is look at the devil in the sense of what he is trying to do to trip up Christians, to get us to start buying into some of the lies, the ancient lies, but in a modern context. And that's where we have to really, really dig in. And God encourages us to dig in. So last week we talked about what idolatry is, and that is, in a modern sense, it's anything that comes in in front of God. Anything that we attribute our time, our emotion, our passion, what are, are the focus of our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Anything, now, and, and that's not to say that we can't be passionate about things, okay? I mean, if you want to sit down and talk about the World Series, oh, man, I love talking baseball. And, man, that, that, you know, how it ended last night and all that. Any of those guys that watched it on a technicality? I love talking about football. I love talking about hunting. I like talking about so many different things. But you know what? They're not the only passion of my life. As a matter of fact, they are, they, they, they are they, they the shadow, they're minuscule in the light of who Jesus Christ is for me and what he's done in my life and what he will continue to do in my life. And so when something interrupts that, something gets in the way, something comes in and steals our time, I mean, we can feel it emotionally when a wife comes to her husband and says, listen, I feel like I'm being taken for granted. You know, you're, the time that I want from you is being taken by something else. And so we can emotionally identify with that. We can begin to feel that, you know, the focus. And to just say, guys, how many times have you tried this? Honey, I love you. And when that changes, I'll let you know. It doesn't work. She'd be like, uh, no. 
not going to work. God feels exactly the same way. When God, see, God is not demanding, but he's worthy. He's, I mean, and there's so many marriage illustrations that we're the bride of Christ, right? And he's a jealous groom, and he wants us to be devoted. Jesus used that illustration over and over again. He said, man, I'm going away, and I'm coming back for you, just like the groom goes away and prepares that place you know, for, for the Jewish wedding. He said, and you're never going to know the day nor the hour, but the trumpet will sound. All that was just based on how the, the Jewish wedding worked. And he's coming back. And he said, I want to find you looking up. I don't want to find you involved and in, 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 in given to other things so that you don't even know I'm going to come. You're not even waiting for me. You're so involved and engaged in other things that it's just like, um, Jesus, just, just hold on. I've got to sink this putt. Or, man, I've got, got a buck in the, in the, in the crosshairs. Lord, you, you, can you just wait? One, just... No, I know that's kind of funny. I'm just playing here. But... You, but what I'm talking about is, is, is what's going on in here. And that day-to-day sense of connection and knowing it. See, idolatry is what replaces that. And we know in the Bible that God despised it, and if it's despised, then there really is kind of a curse on it. And what can happen ultimately is that we try to use other things to fill that wonderful hole that's been placed that only God can fill. Because what will happen is, and if you've lived any amount of time, that we all get attracted by things that might give us a little excitement, you know, that new car smell of life that gets inside us and we, and we get inspired. We get, something goes off inside us and there's a fresh passion that begins to flow and we try to use that to fill that hole in our life, but it just doesn't, it doesn't satiate. It does not fill it. And before, before long, it begins to get old and worn out, cracked and used, and we feel drained by it. And that's not what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to fill me with passion. It's supposed to fill me with energy. But what, in reality, the opposite is beginning to happen. And there's a lot of different motivations that, in, in filling that hole, and we'll get into those. So, But what idolatry ultimately does is it's bypassing God's plan. It's bypassing God's ways and seeking some other avenue to get what we want, to get what we need. And Jesus says, I am the river of life. I am the fountain. I am the living water. He talks to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he says, if you would ask, I would give you a cup of this living water. And she says, she's like, hey man, well, go down and get it. She says, if you got, I mean, you're talking to me, you got some water that will take away my thirst forever? I want to see that. Of course, he's talking figuratively, right? He's saying, no, 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 look at me. And I'm just going to play dramatically here. Woman, look at me. I'm your life. If you will put your hope in me, if you will trust me, that I'm going to wipe out every fear that will come your way. I will encourage you and coach you and strengthen you. I will help you through every battle that you face. I'll heal your body. I will help fight those battles in the spirit realm on your behalf. I'll send the host of heaven to come and guard all your ways. 
You know, I will fill that hole inside you that I know you long for. And so, you know, that's what Jesus was telling that woman. He said, but you got something else in its place. And you've got a, a, an idol. You've got a false understanding. So what is that, again, that modern-day equivalent? Again, I'm just going to continue to push through this so we can pick up to last week. But modern-day idolatry is now it takes on that broader definition. And it's manifested both in its veiled and unveiled form. In its unveiled form, obviously, it's, it's anything. I mean, we, we see idolatry still taking place today in the form of, you know, worshiping Buddhas and, and things like that. So that still does exist. But there is that veiled form, which is really the Bible. Paul goes on to describe it in another way. I want you to hold on here because this is very, very important to really exposing what idolatry is. Paul uses it to inter- interchangeably in Colossians 3, Hebrews uh, chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 5. He, bego- he goes on to say that idolatry is also greed. Okay? Now follow that. Greed. Now that is something we can probably identify with more, can't we? Idolatry is just like, man, idolatry. I mean, it's a fancy word, but what does it really mean? I mean, what is, how am I worshiping idols? And I mean, I don't. But when we, when we pull the veil off it, and it's greed, oh, well, I know that stuff. I'm well aware of what greed is. And, you know, greed is that, and idolatry, really. Here's my, the best definition I've ever heard of greed and idolatry. And that is this. It's the subtle sin, the subtle sin of misplaced priorities. Okay? The subtle sin of misplaced priorities. And we're going to talk about priorities here today. To really identify. Since, man, we've pulled this whole thing off and we really, I mean, we've pulled the veil off it and it's really exposed. How do we know? How we, can we Christians really begin to look at our life and, and expose that subtle sin? First of all, it's subtle. In other words, you don't always just catch it very easily. It's something you've got to take some time and really ask the Holy Spirit and say, do, do I have idolatry in my life? Is there greed operating that I'm not even really sure that I know of? And, that, and, and then that's the thing that we as Christians that, that we learn. It's not as easy as worshiping a graven image or not worshiping a graven image. There is this huge in-between. And that is anything that can be placed in front of God, even good things. Even good things, which is why that, that definition of the subtle sin of misplaced priorities fits so beautifully. And now, you know, before you tune me out, hang on here, because as I told you last week, my heart in all this is to see you blessed, to experiencing that, that abundant life and drinking and drinking of the waters of river, uh, rivers of life and, and, and the, the, the true satiation. And, and we're trying to remove those obstacles now. And this is, is a huge one. And it can get into our life. And I'll tell you what, every Christian I've ever known has been challenged in this area in deeper ways than they, they, they ever thought they would be. So if we begin to unpack this sin of idolatry and we really expose it even more we'll find that there are different layers to it and the sins that we might more recognize uh, in their description 
uh, go like this, that it's really made up of fear, greed, lust, selfishness, pride, and rebellion. These are the deep-seated sins that can cause us to begin wandering into idolatry and at first not even really know it. And so when we've given into fear, because see, and, and let me just real quickly to show you how fear is idolatry. You say, man, David, that's a big jump. Well, it's really easy to, to, to expose right now. Why would we fear anything when we know that God is on the throne? Why would we give in to fear in any way, shape, or form when I know that he is my Lord? He is my Savior. He owns my life. My times are in his hands. Whether I live a long time or whether I live a short time or whether I have, you know, I mean, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not talking about fatalism, but I'm talking about just saying, man, I'm in his hands. What do I have to fear? And Jesus, see, he exposed it. He says, why do you run around like the pagans? He said, they worry about where they're going to get their food. They worry about where they're going to get their drink. They worry about what they're going to wear. He says, I tell you, do not worry about any of that. He says, because if you trust me, then I, if, then I will be God. You see, what we're doing here is we're, we're refining this thing. Because there's so many people say, I believe in God but they don't trust him. Believe and trust, huge difference, right? It's like that, that trust thing that they do when you fall back. If I got back here, and I need about 10 guys to catch me, but anyway, anyway if I fell back, I mean, I'd want more like 20, but we, we, anyway, but if I fell back, you know, I'd have to trust those guys to catch me, not just Randy. I mean, I love Randy, but I don't know, bud. <laughs> yeah, Randy's like, help, yeah. It's good. But see, there is a difference, right? Oh, man, I believe those guys can catch me. Prove it. Huh? Really? I mean, it's, like, it's one thing to say you trust God. It's another one entirely to trust him. And I'll just throw in a money reference. Do we trust God with our money? Do we? Do we really? And Jesus brought it up so many times. It is such an exposing right out there, doesn't it? I mean, it just really nails us to the wall. Do you trust me with your finances? Yes, sir, I trust you. Man, you are Jehovah, uh, 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 Hira, Jehovah Jireh, if you've heard the song. You, know, you do it all, man, I can do the dance, and I'm going to, okay, well, then you need to tithe, huh? Yeah, give me 10, 10% of everything I give you. Can we talk three? You know? So do you see how tithing puts the kibosh on the difference between belief and true trust? And, 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 and you know, God knew that. Absolutely. That's why he, he really taught his people out in the desert. He said, listen, um, you're going to follow me, and I want to teach you to follow me implicitly. And so we're going to go through, you know, live in the desert 101. And so in our lives, you know, we need to do the same thing. You know, lust at its core, is greed gone wild. And, you know, lust is not just, you know, sexual, but it can be lust over stuff. It can be, you know, lust goes on many different levels. But, you know, as bad as we all think lust is, you know, really at its core, it's idolatry. Because it's ultimately not trusting God to meet our 
deepest needs. To not meet those needs. Or to be able to, to get those passions inside us. You know, addictions, addictions for the most part, all they are is self-medication. That's what they really are. Addictions are just me having issues inside of trust. I'm, I'm, I'm insecure. I don't know what's going to happen next. And so the level of anxiety rises inside us, and we've got to do and use something to bring that down. And there are physical things that do that. We know that, you know, uh, sex, man, you can be addicted to sex. It rewires your brain. I mean, the studies on that are amazing. And used in its proper context, it's a wonderful gift given by God. But used out of context, that's what it can become. Replacing. Jumping ahead of God. See how how they connect? I am using something that is good out of its proper context to fill a need that God wants to fill in a different way. And so a lot of times addiction just comes back to can I just walk in the peace and trust in that peace? You know, because we live in a culture where the stress is way up there, where the anxiety is way up there, and we live in it and we're constantly looking. And so, you know, our culture is full of people who are just trying to fill those places. Just, you know, and another, when we talk about pride, I mean, let's move on to that one. Uh, Pride, of course, that's the ultimate and original sin of Satan, and, and it's really the, the, the core sin of all sin. But when we think of it in our own lives, what we look for is we look, in, we look for an identification that does not include God. Which is why, you know, triathlons and Ironmans, you know, those are, I mean, they've never been more popular than now. And I, I, and I got involved, and I love that kind of stuff. But I've seen people get just completely eaten up by those things. Because it meets what? A deep need to feel what? Special. To feel big. To feel powerful. To feel, you know, important. And man, I tell you what, this culture of ours is addicted to importance. Matter of fact, you know, I, I drive down the road and I see it. I mean, public schools are on to it, and they're trying to build people's self-esteem. But without God, all you're teaching them to do, I mean, you just become pushers of something that is not going to last. All we do is teach people to need another fix. And, you know, you can get addic- addicted to endorphins, I mean, the, 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 the hormones and the chemicals that get released when you exercise. I mean, that's a well-known fact. Am I right, doctor? Doctor, I mean, you, I mean, your body can get addicted to that. And after a while, man, you get crazy-eyed. So I need it. Well, that's a whole thing. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but I'll, I'll tell you, it, it taps into that real need inside all of us to want to be special. But God says, you already are. God says, you don't have to do anything to earn that from me. And whose opinion matters most anyway? I mean, do you have to be on the cover of a magazine for you to finally get it? Do you have to be mentioned in a news article? Do you have to publish? Do you have to do anything for you to finally say, I've arrived? When God says, you know what? I choose 
from the things that nobody else would choose. And I make you special in my eyes. I give you everything. I give you my power. I give you my authority. And I give you the, the exousia, the right to use my power in Jesus' name. Now, can I ask you a question? Is that, isn't that enough? Hmm. Should be. But it's, you know, in our culture, it's not. So how does that adultery ultimately affect us? Well, it does as Christians. And as any sin, it, we do suffer the, the, the effects of it. And, and what it will do is it brings and calls in. In Matthew 18, it makes it really clear that God says, listen, if you're going to try this in a way apart from me, then I can't protect you when you go out. Like if I tell my son, listen, or my children, listen, in my home and in our yard, I can protect you. But the moment you step out of my yard and I don't know that you have done it, I can no longer protect you. You can get run, you know, it's over. I can't protect you. And I give them, you know, rules that will protect them. Because why? I love them. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't put your finger in that electrical socket. You'll have a surprise. You know, don't do that. And, and how many of our children, they got to test it out, right? And how many times we do that? When, and all we are is just big kids. This is 30 years of counseling talking. We're, all we are is professional children. <laughs> yep, professional. We're really good at it. We shine it up. We get it all sound and smelling really good. But deep down inside, we're just a little kid that says, no, I want to do this my way. Until, oh man, did you, did you figure that one out? That hurts. That hurts your marriage. That hurts your life. That hurts your soul. Yeah, I got it. Well, one of the ways, folks, that we can really begin to just chop down those, those poles of worship, those bowels, those things that would come into our life and try to replace God is, is by getting our priorities right. By, I mean, so if we're going to move in the direction of, of real freedom, we've got to identify and look at our priorities. That's a great way to start. In other words, examine your life. And that's exactly what David did in Psalm 139. He just said, Lord, search me. Try me. Look at my life. Because truthfully, folks, you can't, and I can't, we can't examine our own life without God. We're, as I said, professional children. Man, we know how to uh, convince ourselves. You ever sat there for hours, and in the morning you started off with a good, solid conviction. At the end of the day, man, you were thinking something totally different. Because you were working yourself. Hey, David, you deserve this. You know what? You're right, David. You really do deserve this. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Next thing you know, you're both your pals. You got it all figured out. You and you. Uh, <laughs> so, why, man, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to step in. We need him to call him in. Holy Spirit. I'm my, worst, I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. I need you to come in. I need you to be that third party and break me up. <laughs> you, <laughs> man, I'm really running with this one, right? You, you stand over there. You, over there. No more talking to one another. <laughs> Let me tell you what the truth is. This is what the Bible says. Do you believe it or don't you? I do believe it. In time, a lot of times, what we have, we've built up a testimony. But how many of you out there that have been walking with God a long time find out that testimonies sometimes don't even hold you fast? Because I've heard people say that. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, I know he did that for me in the, in the past, but, you know, this is different. 
How is it different? It's no different. Circumstances change. Yes, you get a little older. Yes, you get a little grumpier. Yes, all these different things can happen in your life. Yes. Yeah, maybe the music sounds different. Maybe all of that. It all always is changing. But it's the same truth. And God, that's why God made him commandments that were to be placed on the wall. That's why God said, listen, write them on the tablets of your heart. That's why he said, wrap them around your head and on your hand. He said, listen, this is going to be something that's ageless, timeless, truth that will affect every culture. So let's get into it. What are, the, what are those priorities? It's very simple. God first. Our family Second. Our ministry, what God has created us to do. I use that word ministry, but don't... I really, what I'd rather put in there just so we can get past ministry is to say your life call or your life purpose, okay? But understand that's what we mean by ministry. We only use the word ministry because really it should take place and function in the context of the local church. But really it's your life call. It's what you've been called by God and gifted by God to do. Notice where it falls in our priority list. God first, our family second, and we can break that apart, and we should. If you're married, your wife, your husband, second, your children, third. You know, you put your children, well, I'll break it down in a second. So you've got ministry, your life calling, your job. Now, vocation, how do you make money? Sometimes they're the same in my case, but even then, has to be divided has to be carefully, surgically led by the Holy Spirit. But look where your job falls, man. You know, I used to work with a lot of GIs, and you know what? The government said, uh, listen, military first, God, family, and anything else you want to do second. We own you. And, and I understand that. And what I would do is I'd teach those GIs how to worship God first, keep their family second, even though it didn't always equate to that in actual time. It's all here, isn't it? It's here. I could tell you so many stories about that, just no time. But but God first, your family, your marriage, your children, your ministry, your job, your vocation, how you make money. You notice, that's why Jesus said, he said, you know, don't wear out yourself to get rich. And how would anybody ever get to that place? (laughs) I'll tell you how. You put it top of the list, and yeah, you're going to wear yourself out getting rich. It's just true. If you make money the focus, then guess what? Something else has to come first. But Pastor David, I live on this plane where they're all the same. Mm-mm. It doesn't work that way. You can't possibly do it. Plus, God says, I don't want to live on any other plane. I want my plane. I want my place. My place is first, foremost, only. And then finally, hobbies. Hunting, fishing, sewing, dancing, whatever else we do. It's fun. And you know, I, I've told this story before. Uh, I didn't think a hobby could ever become a god until a woman came to me one time and she said, listen, my, my husband, man, he doesn't want to do anything else. And I said, well, what else? I mean, he, he's, he's eating up with this stuff. I said, well, what is he eating up with? He goes, building models. I said, What? She goes, yes. He lives it, drinks it, eats it, sleeps it. He builds models all the time. I'm like, so I doubted her, of course. I'm just like, woman, come on. 
I mean, I know you got a beef. So anyway, I didn't believe her until one day I went by the house. And I walked in the garage, and I could not believe my eyes. Thousands of models. Thousands. All over the walls, hanging from the ceiling, airplanes, spaceships, you name it. Everything. How many? And then I began to realize how many hours. I just sat down with my son, Ben, and we built a little Titanic about that big. He's all into Titanic right now. So we built a little replica Titanic. It took us four days. I still can't see, really, because, I mean, it was that big. The Titanic down to one seven hundredths of the side, and it was a lot of detail. Anyway, I can't imagine anybody doing that, but the hours that that represented, bing, 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 tell him what he's won, Johnny, idolater of the year. You know? Hobbies can get there. So I'm going to go over those real quick. When you put it all together, God says he wants to be first. Reminds me of a verse I remember reading in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus, again, didn't abolish the law. He magnified it. He made it clearer in, in our understanding of just why God needs to be first. And he says, listen, if you make me first, here's the deal. You make him first, he will bless your marriage. He will bless your kids. He will bless the ministry and the fulfillment of your life, which is really what we're all after. We want to feel like we mean something. We are important. And God says, man, there's nothing more important than the people of God and the church of God on the planet today. Man, I I mean, it it bothers me sometimes when I see people just kind of the way they treat church. Man, don't you know who you are? You are the church, the blood-bought, tail-whipping, earth-changing, transforming agency, organization on the planet, the greatest of all. That's who we are. Children, our ministry, and our job. And again, uh, they can come together, and you can make your job ministry. We've talked about that many times. You can bring ministry into your job if they'll let you. You can witness to people. You can share the love of Christ. You can do simple acts of kindness. You can invite them to church. But, you know, but it's got to be where it is. You can't let that job become more important than God. And again, how do you determine that time? Ultimately. But also, you know, is, is it your passion? And really, when it gets down to that surgical t- kind of dividing be- between soul and spirit, only the Holy Spirit can do that. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that the Word of God does that. It's that surgical knife that goes in and is able to just divide that nerve away and, and just be able to, just to divide it away and just say, your motives are not good. What, Lord? Yeah, I mean, you got it real close there, but deep, deep inside you, you're still holding on to something that's selfish. You're still not letting me in there. There are corners sections, compartments of our hearts and lives that I I dare say that every single one of us, that we all have them. We all have little places where it's just like, I worship you, Lord. Man, we're getting after it. And man, we're going to prophesy. We're going to show up to the trunk or tree. We're going to do all these wonderful things. But then God's going to knock and he's going, man, this is good. So let's go a little deeper. I'm going to knock on that part of your heart. And he's like, oh, you put up the sign. Uh, No one home. Not in right now. And and that's okay. That's okay. God's never going to bring 
you know, aren't you glad that God just didn't open his bag of sanctification on your life all at once when you first got saved? It would just blow us away. We couldn't handle it. But when we start to identify these priorities and begin putting them in place, folks, I tell you what, we begin to get on the streamline to more grace in our lives. Because we ask the question, why am I not getting blessed more? Why am I not seeing more blessing in my personal life? Why am I not experiencing more peace? Why am I not experiencing more fulfillment? I see that in marriages as they begin to crumble. They begin to crumble. And and really what ends up happening, folks, is that we start off with this journey in a marriage, thinking that she is my sun, moon, and starlight sky. She's my everything. I mean, you know, doing crazy stuff, right, Dr. Brian? I mean, you know, I drove hours to go see Andrea. And, And I hurt for her. Love her that much. Still do. But she's not my God. She's not my ultimate fulfillment. There are days when I look to her and I want to draw from her some of my deepest needs and look to Andrea and just say, Hon- honey, can you fill those? And she has to look at me and say, oh, no, I can't. Because I'm not Jesus. See, and I think we've got this false idea that marriages are going to do that. That marriages are going to be the most fulfilling, most awesome thing on the planet. And, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a setup. But really, what a marriage is supposed to be is you're a team. And you love one another and you can fulfill those basic needs. And, and if everything's good and flowing, and, but really, it's, there's this triangle. And the triangle is I'm over here, she's over there, and right up here is Jesus. And when I make him and she makes him and we make him Lord of our lives, everything will begin to flow. I got to get moving so much. Got to get those priorities right. Now, some people just say, well, God first, then family, then nothing else. No. You, you got a ministry. And that's what Jamie was after you about this morning. He loves you. You know he does. But he's just like, like saying, listen, now, um, you're incomplete if you're not using your gifts for God. Connect, serve, grow. If you're not using, if ministry doesn't show up in there, and if you just got God first, family, job, and hobbies, and there is no ministry, then you kind of monkey up. You kind of got a, a link missing in the chain. And so, you know, because that, I mean, that's very strongly biblical about us using our gifts in the context of the local church. It's really, really key. And you know what? If we don't, and what I find, and I'm really going to, ooh, man, I'm going to step on a golden calf right now. I mean, it's going to start mooing here. You ready? I mean, it's going to. i got fire up the barbecue. Here it goes. You know, a lot of us, what we, we don't do ministry, but we replace it with other things that fulfill those areas. Going out there and playing sports, going out there and getting our bodies fit, going out there and using all the different things that just fill us up with self, you know, self-importance and, and, and we get intoxicated on that sense of that I've got this, this body rocking and rolling. Or we even take our children. Uh-oh, I, I smell the barbecue now. We take our children and we worship them. And man, I see a lot of parents do that. I knew I was out of control when Tate was four years old. And I pulled him off at halftime. And I pulled him over and I said, son, 
That kid up there that's going up down and scoring every time he gets the ball, that ends now. You hear me? And all the parents around him are just kind of backing away from me. And Tate's like, yes, sir. Well, he, I mean, the kid never scored anymore, but I thought, I guess I better tone this down a little bit. I mean, gee whiz, I'm a dad with a son. But I tell you what, the greatest gift I can give my son is a priority structure that will give him life. To say, because a lot of times what we, our kids do exactly what we do. Not what we say. What they do is they live by our, they, they watch our example. They're watching, watching. My gosh, my little three-year-old, he's like a sponge watching everything and saying everything. How much more as they get older and they watch and it's, it gets more complex because now they're going, listen, Dad, I know what you said, but I'm watching what you do. And I'm going to do what you do. And if your life is committed, if you, keep, if you got this priority structure going on and they see it, then they're going to do it. But if they see that it's all just talk and that ministry, well, that's just something that real, you know, Christians who get a little out of, out of control do, son. I mean, because, you know, church is, I mean, it's in his place. Man, and it, and it, it hurts me, it hurts God. And when we see church just somewhere down there in hobbies, a relationship with God is just kind of a hobby. You know, just keep God, keep my soul built up, and then when things begin to deflate and my marriage is struggling, my money's going away and I'm feeling sick, I'll go back to church. Mm-mm. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worship your kids. Don't teach your kids that there are things in this life that are more important than him. Not by word, but by example. Because in the end, in the end, what we hope they got, they're not going to get. So, fears, fear of disease, fear of uh, of security, fear of provision, fear of man, all an indication. Greed, not trusting God with our finances, Spending disproportionate money on things or activities. We look at our budget and we see that our budget reflects our priorities. I mean, take that priority list that God gave you and, and line it up. I mean, you spending 50% of your income on hobbies? Sums up. Again, not what you say, it's what you do. Working in such a way that sacrifices areas of need in your own life. I mean, neglecting your spiritual development. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, as as John described it. I've covered so much of this already, but uh, just moving on. But when we think of God as sovereign and all-powerful, and we trust him implicitly for every area of our lives, then you know what? Then he is God. So how do we gain freedom? I'm going to take the last few minutes here. How do we gain freedom? Because you know what? Gosh, it just... It upends our life, doesn't it? It upends our life. But I'm going to tell you what I've given you in just the last 30, 40 minutes here is what people spend thousands and thousands of dollars every year to try to figure out. And God gives freely. If you will but worship me and make me the King of kings and the Lord of lords of your life, 
you know, that, that song, Rise, that, that song undoes me every time. That's what I want sung at my funeral. That is, that is my anthem. I can't listen to it without becoming a mess. And I just love it. All the earth, come alive. Lift your eyes to the morning. Lift our hearts. Let them beat again with the blood, the lifeblood that never fails. Breaking down the divide in a holy collision. Folks, that's what we're talking about here. It's a holy collision. The battle of ourself and the reality of what's taking place. I mean, I'm listening to that song, and I'm looking at you sweeping around saying, folks, are you getting this? Are you seeing the impact, the prophetic description of what's taking place? The divine in disguise took the cross of our sin and shame. See the lost in return, swing the doors ever wider. Hear the sound of freedom rise as our song breaks the silence, echoing the angel cry, lift us up in your holy name. When you can sing that song and you can passionately do so, then you understand who you are and what you've been called to do. If it's just another song, then you got a Bee Gees song playing in the background and you're not looking at your wife with those starlit eyes, man. You know what I'm saying? Then you have to realize, you have to ask yourself the question, am I in love with Jesus or is he just a guy that I know about? Is it just a guy I've heard about? Or I'm, or, <laughs> so gaining freedom. We gain freedom by surrendering to him, just like the song said. I surrender. I bend my knee, you know, to worship him, to give him everything. The way we get free, folks, is we've got to confess it as sin, pure and simple. We have to acknowledge the fact that, you know what, I am living in a wrong priority. I have let the patterns of this world, I've let them get into my life, and they've fed into these felt needs, human needs. But God says, don't go with what you want first. Don't go with what is animalistic. Don't go with, with what is 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 you know, inside your gut first. Surrender that and let God bring you back. Because there are going to be times when God says, listen, man, you got me straight. You, you got things straight, set in your life. You know what? Go out, hunt, fish. Get away. Spend some time with me. You know, really, I, we shouldn't escape them ever, should we? I mean, is that what Psalm 139, David came to that conclusion. He says, Lord, I've tried to run from you. He said, what I've discovered is that you're there, you're there, you're under the ocean, you're in the sky, you're everywhere. Where can I go? Where can I flee from your presence? Sounds like to me he tried it. Right? See, we do that. Professional kids. Trying to run from God. But God says, no, I go with you. And especially if you have the Holy Spirit in your heart. <laughs> Man, he's right there. Why even whisper? <laughs> I'm playing here. Truth is, this is how we finish. And let's close it. 
Folks, if we want to experience freedom here, if we want to enjoy the greatest kind of impact, that grace, that sustaining, that sustaining grace, that grace that just comes upon us, what we said is that going through this freedom series, that it would be the key to the unlimited grace of God. I mean, there's more grace for you to have in your life. Deep-seated needs that you've tried to fill with other things. Maybe you've gotten addicted in certain areas. Maybe you've let your priorities go. I'll tell you what, how you smash it all, man, how you take the, the, the sledgehammer and you go to that golden idol and you tear down that, that, that pole and you get it right and you just say, I want, that's what it takes is a passion to rise up and say, no more. I'm tearing this thing down. Just like Josiah when he says, you know what? Today, we're tearing down the high places and we're going back to putting God completely first and obeying his word. And all God says is, if G- I mean, Jesus boiled it down to this. He just said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love others like you would have them, you know, love you. To treat them with love. And I mean, man, he says the whole law and the prophets hinge on that one, on those two truths. So, folks, we've got to surrender. That's the first step. We've got to surrender to God. We've got to let him in. And you may be overwhelmed this morning. You may just say, man, I've got, woo. Pastor Davis, I look at my, my priority structure, and I, I just see myself out of whack, whack in so many areas. You know what? All God requires to start with is to say, be Lord. Come. Search me. Try me. Examine me. Show me where I am erring. Show me where I'm on the wrong path and lead me in the way everlasting. And this is David who's praying and he doesn't even have the Holy Spirit living inside him like we do. So ready. The GPS, the God positioning system is in you. He will take you exactly where you need to go. But you got to have a heart. And that's where it starts. Amen? So let's stand up this morning. Freedom is going to get served up here. And if you're hungry, you're going to get your fill. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Lord, we thank you this morning that you're here. Lord, this is such a deep topic. Lord, it's, it's so critical. It's crucial. Lord, to experiencing the kind of outflow of joy and peace an abundant life that you died for us to have. Lord, we've got some obstacles. And I'm believing that, Holy Spirit, you have been speaking to your, your people this morning, that, Lord, images have flashed in their minds. Lord, you have whispered in their ear and said, that's got to go. Lord, you're, you're active and you love us so much for that reason. Not a judgment. You didn't come to judge the world, condemn the world. No. Restore it. Restore us. So Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and rise up within us. Rise. And our response is to say we worship you. You know, I love that song when Andrea, when they sing it, and we just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I have found when people can say that name and just say it without fear, without intimidation, without feeling a rising up of wanting to flee or when you can just say it and you're free. You're free. Lord, we ask you to come right now. 
And all across this room, Lord, there are, there are idols in our life. God, we're, there are wrong, that subtle sin, Lord. We've, we've given into sin in putting things over you. Lord, forgive us for that today. I mean, just walk with me here. Just walk with me. You know what some of these things are. Just right now in your mind, just hold them out to God and say, God, take it. I know that this has been robbing me, this addictive behavior. If there's something that you've, you're, you're trying to medicate your own soul with, spending money, medications, alcohol, if there's been anything that you have used to fill that hole that God wants only, and him, he, he, he's the only one that wants it. He's the only one who deserves it. We ask you to come and take those things right now all across this room. We give them up in Jesus' name. Just do that. This is your chance for a graceful, powerful, sweet deliverance. It's yours. Take it. Purchased for you by the blood of Jesus. The blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony. The enemy's already been defeated. All we have to do is resist and submit. Let's resist that thing. We say no to it right now. We say no to you. We say no to that, that out-of-control priority. And we say yes to you, Lord. We want to put you first in our life. We want to put you first over our marriage and our children. We want to put you first, Lord, over our ministries, our need for recognition, our need for being special. We put you first, God, over our jobs and our need for wealth. We put you first, God, and determine that we will not wear ourselves out to get rich, but we will see that every day what you give us is your provision from your hand. And we will honor you, God, with the first fruits of our wealth so that you know and we know, we'll always know that it comes from your hand. And Lord, all our hobbies, God, thank you. Lord, thank you for the wonderful things that you've given us. Lord, that we can exercise and take care of this, this, this tent you've given us, this temple of the Holy Spirit, that we can make it strong and healthy and vibrant and beautiful. But Lord, let us keep it in context. May we not worship it, Lord. May we not give an undue, as Paul said, Lord, you know, there's a little bit of profit, but there's great gain in walking in the fear of the Lord. Great gain. So, Lord, we put it all in your context right now. We submit it all to you. And we ask you to come and forgive us and wash us in the blood of Jesus. Just see him do that right now. If you, if you, as you have laid these things down, let him come and, and heal you and restore you to a greater fellowship. Lord, open our minds to a greater understanding. Lord, to wash away, God, the blindness God, to wash away, Lord, the, the, the pathways, Lord, the ruts of thinking, the ruts of living. Bring the greater down and, and, and smooth it all out for us, God, so we can create new paths in you, new habits, new patterns, reading your word every day, praying and talking to you, walking with you in the coolness of the day, Lord, doing everything in the name of our Savior. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name.